0: So, if I was starting today as a new solo, I would just to, to change the way, the way they're practicing
1: by
0: becoming a leader. Done it to help young lawyers what it means to be fulfilled. Make it
1: easy to work with your clients.
2: New approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making that leap, making that leap, making that leap, making
1: that leap. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Adriana Linares. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant. You can always learn more about me by going to lawtechpartners.com. Today, I have a new-ish solo as my guest, Cassandra Michael. Hi, Cassandra. Hi, Adriana. It's so nice to meet you in person because you are one of my favorite follows on Instagram. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's how I found you. And uh, I want to make sure to talk and ask you a little bit later about how you use social media for your marketing and the success that I hope you will tell us you have had, as well as other marketing efforts. But let's just start out with you telling us a little bit about
0: yourself. Sure. I, um, I'm from Albany, New York, which is just upstate. And I moved to San Diego about six years ago for law school. Graduated about three years ago. Took the bar a couple times. <laughs> and Very normal in California, from what I understand. Yeah. Yes. And I passed right before COVID. Spent the last year in Lake Tahoe and recently moved back to Del Mar. So you went straight from law school to launching your solo practice? Yes.
1: Was that always your goal or is it sort of what happened and did COVID have anything to do with it?
0: COVID didn't really have much to do with it, but I've always entertained the thought and I kind of weighs, weighed the pros and cons of going solo, big law firm, medium, small law firm. And I just thought the solo fit my lifestyle. A lot better. So when you were thinking about
1: it, what were you considering? What were the important factors for you, which I'm sure a lot of listeners will be interested in hearing and hopefully say, oh, yeah, me too, me too, me too. Because (laughs) it's a big, hard thing to take on right out of law school. Obviously not impossible. As I tell lawyers, new lawyers all the time, you're going to be fine. You're going to make it. But that was a big decision. So what were some of your biggest factors in deciding to go solo?
0: Sure. Well, I started to think about it while I was law clerking during law school, and I was seeing what the partners would bill the associate attorneys at and how much they were getting paid hourly. Mm. And that's what gave me the red flag. I was like, ooh, I <laughs> didn't like that idea. You don't want to be working for the wool man or the man. And then I'm, I've been meeting a lot of people through networking events, and I I noticed that people at the larger law firms, they are up working 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. and just going crazy over the hourly requirements. Mm-hmm. So um, I also thought about going to a small law firm, thinking, okay, I'll just work a bit less and I'll be able to go surfing and go to the beach and kind of maintain friendships. And then again, um, that hourly pay versus what you're being charged, you don't, you don't really see it. So that's what got, kind of got me into thinking, branching my own and all that. And then during law school, I started my own company called Little Miss Notary. So I was familiar with how to start a business, do a business uh-huh. plan and all of that. So that's what got me the courage to just kind of launch it. So you
1: actually built a business plan, which most lawyers don't do. Just yesterday, my dear friend and my partner, Liz McCoslin, did a how to launch your law firm for the San Diego County Bar for us. And that was one of the things she said as the, one of the best tips, which most people don't bother to do. But she said, you know, it's really important that you get a business plan together. So you actually went through it. Did you do it yourself or did you get some help writing that business plan?
0: I had a, a model business plan actually from the, the Bar Association. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, From San Diego? Yes, San Diego Bar Association. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I found their template and just kind of went off that and just changed it up a little bit and made it my own. That's great. And I should remind
1: everyone that not only would San Diego have it, but many bar associations, likely your state bar, and certainly out on the Law Practice Division's uh, website for the ABA Law Practice Division, they would have templates you could start with as well. So good. Okay. So you're in law school. And get, getting ready to get out, and you realize that you're going to be helping someone else make a lot of money. You form a business plan. You had already had a business, Little Miss Notary. That's really clever and cute. So you were doing notarizations for a fee, which is smart and great. And so you had your foot in the ground with at least how to start a small business. Yes, exactly. Okay, excellent. And what, did you dis- what kind of law did you decide to practice? Family law. Mm-hmm. And the name of your law firm is? Aloha Divorce.
0: Yeah, I love that. Tell me why. Because it means hello and goodbye and also love. And my goal is to focus more on more uh, amicable divorces and eventually get into mediation. I love that, and I love that that's exactly what you have on your
1: website. You You write on your homepage, the word aloha actually has three meanings, love, hello, and goodbye. Our goal is to help our clients say goodbye to their unhappy relationships and hello to a new beginning. We're committed to providing empathetic, and passionate representation with Aloha during this transition. <laughs> it's so clever. It's so inviting. And you have such a nice personality. You must your your clients must enjoy meeting with you. You don't seem threatening or mean. Does it? Do you ever get a client that comes in and goes, "I want a
0: real bulldog for my divorce"? And
1: you're
0: like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, not yet, luckily. And I'm hoping that the Aloha divorce name kind of steers those type of clients away. They know what they're getting right off the bat. That's really smart. So you
1: mentioned, I think earlier in the in the green room, as I call it, that while you were in Tahoe, getting ready to launch and thinking about launching, you were out there building your brand. So choosing your law firm name, Aloha Divorce, and then getting the, the, the domain name, which was obviously available, must have been part of that. But what else did you do in order to help start building that brand and thinking about,
0: you know, an official launch during a pandemic? Yes, I started looking into marketing and starting my social media accounts and figuring out how I'm going to get clients. Where are they going to come from? (laughs) And how's it going so far? It's going really well. I'm actually having to refer some out, which is great. (gasps) Oh, my God. You haven't even had your law firm for a year and a half or so. Okay, so how's that happening? Most of my clients actually come from other attorneys. It's 101, right? We see this all the time, as experienced
1: people in the legal field. And when we had, I have guests on, and that's another thing Liz actually said during her presentation yesterday, she said, you will find that most of your referrals will come from other attorneys. So her suggestion was network, network, network. So it's good to hear affirmation yet again, that that is truly one of the best ways to get clients. So what did you do as far as networking and how were you able to do that during the pandemic?
0: Well, I've actually started networking and I knew that concept. In law school cuz i was coming from albany new york and then when i got to law school i don't i didn't know it, a single soul
2: mm-hmm. so i knew it was
0: important to make connections and build relationships so i would go to the lawyersclub.com consumerattorney san diego.com of course the county bar association and look up all the networking events and i would because you're in law school, you typically have a law school membership, which allows Mm -hmm. you to attend all these nice events for basically nothing. So that's when it really started was I hit the ground running as soon as I moved here. That's amazing. And so smart too. Again, all those resources
1: you mentioned are great places to meet people and start getting those those referrals. So,
0: what about social media? How has that worked out so far for you? Yes, I've actually had a few referrals through social media as well, which is which is funny. I didn't, I knew it was possible, but uh, I was like, "You're gonna find me on Instagram. You find your attorney on Instagram." But hey, I'll take it. Yes, uh, yeah, I started a, a Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter, um, primarily on Instagram. Instagram was easy. It's free. I've always enjoyed it. There's not much to it. The one app I would recommend is Canva. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can put your logo on pictures. You can do quotes and different kind of real marketing. And then I blend it into my everyday kind of pictures where I'm out and about at fundraisers. So people get a, a feel for me in general, not just divorce facts or inspiration or quotes.
1: Yeah. You have a great Instagram. Like I told you, that's how I found you too, of course. But you've got, and I've got it in front of me, so I'm just going to break down a few things. You've got a perfectly good profile. You've got your location, a hashtag, a phone number, an email. Your website is aloha-divorce and an address. And then you have a bunch of the collections, divorce humor, aloha divorce books, divorce tips. And then your, your, your posts themselves are what you just described. It's a mix of you being out there and being part of the community, and then you do a question and answer. So here's one that says, what is considered the date of separation in a California divorce? And then, so that's on the picture, which I'm assuming you built on Instagram. And then you've got just a real simple one, maybe two paragraph explanation to get people's appetites wet as they're thinking about this, going through this. So it's great. And You've looks like you sponsor things. Oh, let's talk about that real quick, because here you are. This was um, October 11th and I see you at a table. says aloha and you've got giveaways. You've got booze. (laughs) Who who wouldn't want to stop and talk to you? Was this a golfing event and you sponsored a hole or something like that? Exactly. Yes. Okay. And so tell me, because again, people are not going to believe these things actually work are doing events like this. And you have to spend money. You're spending money on something like this. So how do you pick what is worth your money as an opportunity to put your name out there in front of potential referrals or clients?
0: Well, the way I measure it, I take the cost of that. So for that cost was about $600 to have... Okay my name on the pamphlets, have the whole, and it actually came with a bartender with the booze. So I didn't have to bring my own booze. I got to pick a theme, which was uh, Margaritaville. The way I look at it is if I get one client out of this, it doubles the cost. Exactly. It's totally worth it. So that's great. Well,
1: I encourage everyone to go check out Aloha-Divorce and follow you on Instagram. You've got a great mix of informative, frequently asked questions, showing off your personality and the things that you like to do. And it's very colorful and it's a a great mix of media. So good job. (laughs) Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. I'm going to ask Cassandra about how she decided to either... Go brick and mortar or stay virtual after COVID started to ease up on us. We'll be right back.
2: What would you say if I told you that in 2020, law firms using technology earned over $37,000 more per lawyer than law firms that didn't? I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio. Consider this, the benefits to adopting more efficient, time-saving solutions are real and have driven significant business growth for law firms, even in the face of challenges during the COVID-19 pandemic. The first step is to learn what the opportunities are. Clio's Legal Trends Report looks deeply into how solutions like electronic payments, client portals, and client intake software support law firm growth. To learn more about these technologies and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O.
1: Okay. Cassandra. Tell me, uh, it looks like you're sitting in an office. So we're on Zoom, of course, when we record this. Are, or you have a really nice office in your
0: home. What What are you doing? I'm in a office outside of the house. Okay. I actually had a an experience when I had a home office that kind of steered me into this office. And it happened when I was in a virtual trial and my, my internet cut out. Mm. That can't happen.
1: <laughs> no. That cannot happen. So you got scared and decided, oh, I should probably go into an office where there's a solid connection and hopefully they have a backup internet connection. Exactly. Okay, okay. That's great.
0: So it's nice and it's also takes some a lot of I guess workload off of me too, because my office space, it's a shared office space. So it's through Barrister Executive Suites, which I thought the name was fitting. (laughs) Yes, very as an attorney. However, you do not need to be an attorney to rent one of these offices. There's chiropractors, psychologists, it's it's a variety. But what's nice is that it comes with a, a receptionist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who answers all my calls, screens them. If it's a sales call, she knows just to put it to voicemail or take a message for clients. And she doesn't a uh, cold transfer call, she'll give me a heads up, so, like, so-and-so's on the line, which is really nice. Also, when clients come in to meet me, they get to see a receptionist who gives them water or coffee while they wait. And then we have conference rooms too, which is great for mediations and depositions, anything like that, that comes with just renting the space.
1: Yeah. And all those things, you know, people ask me, of course, all the time, should I stay virtual or go brick and mortar? And it really, it depends, right? So if those things are important to you, or if you're going to have a lot of face-to-face client meetings, then it is really nice to provide them with a nice experience when they come in. Do you mind telling us approximately how much you pay? And you can just say ballpark, but I'm just wondering for for people who have considered going the shared office space route, what that might cost.
0: Sure. Um, Total is $1,200, but it includes a phone line, again, a receptionist and the space and the internet so and a printer and a copier and probably unlimited amounts of coffee in
1: the fridge and surely there's like a ping pong table somewhere in there or something (laughs) (laughs) exactly
0: yes i have my own printer and fax machine just in case something comes through no one else sees it but it does have that feature if you were willing to share it with other people too
1: and do you come in every day do you have a dedicated office let me back up or do you use a hot desk
0: I have a dedicated office that I got to okay. decorate, and I love it. And I come in every day, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I stick to it. Um, that was another thing that I've noticed is I'm much more productive here mm-hmm. than at home. Because when I'm home, I'll have my crazy husky barking at me. He's just in the background. All of a sudden, I'm doing laundry. <laughs> I, just, I thought you were going to say my crazy husband.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> your crazy husky. Yeah, I find that. So I work from home. Only and I love it, but I certainly find myself like, oh, that plant has some dead leaves on it. I should take 20 minutes out of my day right now and, and get that plant some attention. Yeah. <laughs> so for sure, it can be a factor in deciding whether to stay at home or go brick and mortar, which is totally an individual choice, of course. A couple more questions just about your experiences. And let me just start with family law. What are the types of things you wish you knew from launch? about family law specifically and getting into that area of practice?
0: I wish someone told me when to say no. I noticed at first, <laughs> I was just so excited to get a client. I was just taking anything that came through the door. So I did learn to set boundaries and know when a client's not for me and, They're not, they're not going in with aloha. Let's just say that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You got to walk in this door with aloha if
1: you want to aloha. Okay. If you want to stay, you're going to have to walk in with the right attitude. That's really nice. Did you decide to do sort of amicable uh, divorces because so many people have contentious divorces? Or did you think, you know, if I'm going to do family law, I want to try and make it as pleasant as possible. Or did you just find that enough lawyers weren't advertising themselves as being friendly divorce lawyers?
0: A little bit of both, but primarily, I noticed with more contiguous divorces, it was taking a toll on me, and Mm. I was feeling the same emotions that my client was feeling. It was draining, and it was emotional, and I just wasn't—I have to know my personality and what I'm built for, and I'm I'm not built for that kind of stress and emotion. (laughs) So I tried— That's really smart. Yeah, that's when I learned, you know, you got to turn those away and send them to the appropriate— person for them. And there are attorneys that I know who, um, who special are bulldogs. Yeah, exactly.
1: So how do you say no to someone? How do you, when they walk in and you're like, you know, no, here's else. <laughs> yeah. how, how do you say it?
0: I, um, I reiterate their concerns and I kind of mimic their goals to remind them what they just told me. And then I, I re- reiterate kind of what my practice is focused on, and how they need to find the best attorney for them and how as much as I I would love to represent them, I want to help them, I just know I wouldn't be as good of attorney as someone else would be. And it wasn't in their best interest to use my services.
1: That's very brave. It's brave from like every angle. It's brave to say, I'm not the right attorney for you. It's brave to say no. And it's brave to say, here's someone who can be a better fit for you. So that's great. What advice would you give yourself now or any other new solos a year later about launching your practice?
0: The advice I would give is find a mentor, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Start a business plan. Make sure you have time blocks mm-hmm. during this process. Uh, make sure you are have all of your ducks in a row before launching. Because if you don't, you're going to be scrambling and then... You're a, ending up feeling lost and potentially getting malpractice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's all avoid that.
0: Yeah. So for me, I appreciate that time I spent in Lake Tahoe. I spent the whole year basically just focusing on building my brand. And the way I was paying the bills during that, because you got to pay bills is that I was using something that you recommended, which is a law clerk.legal and doing independent contract work on the side. Excellent. Trying to stick towards only my practice area, family law. So I am gaining experience, but they're just individual projects. They're easy. You can take them and leave them. You can take on as much work or as little work, and you can still pay the bills while building something bigger.
1: Okay, let's take another quick break, listen to some messages from some sponsors. We're going to come back, and I'm going to ask you about your tech and what you decided to go with in that department. Yes, yes, you have a website, but do you love it? Does it grow your practice? It should look good. It should work for you, and it should be built by people who care. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out, or market leaders. And their clients love their websites. PMP's average client has been with them for over six years. PMP is perfect for your website. Practice made perfect. Visit PMPMG.com forward slash solo. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. Sixty five percent of Alps legal malpractice insurance policyholders are solos, after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable, premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash First Flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First Flight program subject to eligibility requirements. Law Clerics nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. It's time for another question from Stephanie Lorena's to Liz McCausland for new insights. We'd like to thank Noda by m Bank for their support of this segment. To learn more, visit TrustNoda.com. Terms and conditions may apply. Stephanie,
2: what's your second question? My next question is, how can you pick a niche when everyone seems to be practicing everything? I'd be especially interested to hear any tips you have on starting a niche practice. Niche practices are great. I have a niche practice and it served me really well, but I've been very lucky in that my niche is also something that I'm really interested in. I get excited about what I do and I get excited when new cases or programs come out that are gonna affect the cases that I already have. So more than finding your niche, look into the areas of law that even though hard or labor intensive, you don't mind doing the work. You find yourself fascinated by it and that way you will try to do your best in it and be interested in learning it. Then see where the need is in that field and what type of clients need you and what they need. I promise if you pick up cases that you're interested in or passionate about, you'll want to work on them. If, if they're cases that you're just doing because you think it's a niche and it's needed, those are the last cases that you're going to want to work on. So be sure whatever you find for yourself is something that you're interested in. Okay, that's two down for Stephanie. She's got two more questions
1: coming up. All right, we are back. And I'm talking to Cassandra Michael, a divorce attorney, family law attorney in San Diego that I follow and like all her Instagram posts. That's how I found her. I thought she was doing such a good job with marketing and branding, wanted to get her on. And I knew she was a new solo. So Cassandra, tell me, what did you decide as, or how did you decide how to build your technology stack? So tell us about what you chose to use. You're a Mac. Yes, and then what about practice management? Do you have
0: Office three sixty five? Are you a Google Workspace user? Give us the the lowdown. Sure, I I actually learned all the tech that I wanted to use through your podcast. So, yeah, hands in the air, everybody! I'm doing the muscles. Yay! I would listen to your podcast almost religiously anytime driving, so it was oh, always on. So it was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've listened to every single one of them. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Okay, so what did you go with? Clio. Okay, good choice. Love it. I do the Clio Grow plus the Manage. You need both. What I like about the Manage portion, it helps find where your referrals are coming from. It does kind of, I guess, I forget the word I'm looking for, but it tracks your efforts with marketing so you can see what's working, what's not working, how many clients called in, didn't retain you. It helps track all of that for the Manage portion. So I love that. Another thing I think every new solo needs is uh,
1: Hmm.
0: Okay, great. Let's talk about Laya. I love that. And Clio just bought it.
1: So I'll, g- I'll give a little background real quick. Laya is an online or a cloud-based document assembly system. Uh, Tucker Cottingham has, is the CEO behind it. He was a lawyer and decided it was just too hard to put documents together. So he built this online, I think you might have a co-founder and I apologize for not knowing that person's name if there is one, but, um, I love Tucker Cottingham. He is like the coolest guy. So he built Lawyer and it integrates directly with Clio. So if you create custom fields or have data in Clio, you can push them into Microsoft Word documents. Now, Clio does that if in and of itself, but it has what I call dumb automation in Clio where it doesn't have conditions or if this, then that's. So if you just need flat, as I call it, dumb, flat document automation, Clio is fine. But if you need something more sophisticated or you need to create a stack of documents, you need five documents all assembled at one time, that's where Lawya comes in. So tell us a little bit about how you use it.
0: I use it for the forms. For I don't use it for, so much for the documents, but more the forms. So I remember asking older uh, paralegals what they used for your judicial forms. And they said, you need essential forms. You need essential forms. But then I heard about LAIA through your program. And then I compared the two and they both are the same, except LAIA links with Clio mm-hmm. and it was less expensive. So that, and that's important.
1: <laughs> yes, every penny counts. And just so listeners who aren't in California know, essential forms is a service for California and they might have other States, but I know with my work here that specifically they have forms that you can download and use and yeah, they're kind of expensive. So Laya has those already built out for much of California types of practices. And I don't know if they've gotten into other areas, but might be something y'all might be interested in looking at. Okay. So you got Clio, both the suite. So you've got Clio grow to help you with your intake and manage the initial intake process. Then you push them over into Clio manage. Once they become a client, do you find that a lot of people are paying by
0: credit card? Yes. Okay. And do you use the client portal? No, Clio's is actually changing that soon or has changed it recently. So I haven't played too much with the client portal, but I do use LawPay that's okay. integrated with Clio. And then I use the link that Clio allows you to click on to send to the client and it just automatically sends it to them lets them, you know, refill the retainer or just do the monthly invoice. That's great. And are you charging by
1: the hour or are you doing flat rate or both or either?
0: It depends. So for prenups and postnups, it's a flat rate. And then for divorces, it's a retainer and then hourly. How did you decide to work that method? By asking other attorneys, many, many other attorneys, how they do it. And then taking all that information and Figuring out what everyone was saying was the best. So you took a bunch of advice. A bunch of advice, yes. Massaged
1: it and then built a system that works for you. Very good. What other technologies do you use
0: that you can't live without? What are your others? My others is my Google Drive. That's where I keep my files. I use Google for basically everything. (laughs) So you're a Google Workspace subscriber? Yes. Do you even have Office 365 for Word or do
1: you just use Sheets and Docs? I mean...
0: Google I apps. use Office 365 for a word. And then okay. another thing that you taught me in one of your podcasts, too, was it's a program that it can connect with your word Grammarly. There it is. Oh, Grammarly. sure. Grammarly. <laughs> Lifesaver. <laughs> love it. I think every attorney should have that as well.
1: Agreed. And I love and I pay for the professional version of Grammarly. I think it's $129 a year. But recently, Microsoft itself introduced what I think is their version of a Grammarly killer. And in Word, it is called Editor. And it does a lot of the same things that Grammarly did. So if there's someone out there who is really trying to keep their budget tight and you are using Word, something like that is built into Word now. It's called Editor. But it's only available inside Word. The good thing about Grammarly is you can use it anywhere. Um, If you're doing a web form or in Outlook or anywhere else Grammarly is available. And I think that's really helpful. And then two other products I'll throw out there just for listeners that I really like too. And Cassandra, tell me if you've used these or looked at them. These are not free, but they're also not very expensive. Our WordRake, which is built specifically for helping remove and clean up legalese from legal documents. It's really good. And I'll tell you, I'll just give a quick testimonial. My boyfriend's been practicing law for a long time and when I got WordRake, I ran one of his documents through it, and I was totally expecting, like any lawyer, to say, oh, well, no, the way I wrote it is definitely better. His response was, huh, well, I like the way I wrote it, but this does make a couple of good suggestions and also brings me back to my basic legal writing rules that I learned when I was in law school. So he actually didn't mind it. So that's WordRake, and then perfect it is like the blue book of grammar and writing. And what that one is good for, let's say you have a bunch of bullets in your in your document and some of them had a dot at the end and some of them you forgot the dot. It goes through and it says, hey, you're not consistent. Do you want the dots? Do you not want the dots? Do you want a dash or do you want an em dash? So it kind of cleans up the document a lot visually. So those are two, those are four great tools we just mentioned. Grammarly, editor that's built into Word, both web and cloud and desktop, perfect it. And WordRake are all helpful. And I mean, in totality, if you were gonna buy the professional version of Grammarly and those other tools, you're not gonna pay more than $500 for the whole year for all those services. So those are great. Okay, so you've got Clio the Suite, you've got Laya, you love Grammarly. So you run a very lean, TechWise office Clio does most of what you need for client intake, managing referrals, managing dates, deadlines, case details, and then your documents. A lot of them come from the forms that either you have had or you get through lawyer. Exactly. Yes damn girl, that's pretty good. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no, it's great. Okay. So you also got a phone line. That was something I was going to ask you about. Do you answer your own phone? Do you give your clients your cell phone number? Do they text you? I mean, I know family law can be really personal and, you know, sometimes family lawyers get either really close in, like, yes, my client can text me anytime, or you kind of stay back a little bit. How do you handle it? Communications?
0: Uh, I do it case by case. You know, most of my divorces are amicable. So they don't really need an emergency hotline. Uh, I do have a dedicated line that's not my personal phone, but it comes through to my personal mm-hmm. phone. So they can text me on this line, but I can turn it off or on. Um, but typically I'll give the, the basic physical phone for my office. And then certain, uh, certain clients, I'll give the separate number where they can reach me at my uh, cell phone. Okay, that's great. You know, texting comes
1: up a lot with, with attorneys. And I think the response is always, well, clients want to be able to text. Do you get clients that text you a lot? The ones that you want to text you? Or is it, is it a request? Let me put it that way.
0: I usually offer it before they request it. And I think that they really appreciate being able to contact me and it's, it's easier for them to reach me. And I prefer texting over email, especially if it's urgent, um, Mm -hmm. which is nice. But yeah, I think it's important for my client to feel like they can reach me whenever they need to. What's the point of having an attorney you can't get a hold of? (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: we could ask many a client that question, and many of them would come back with unfavorable responses. Do you have an assistant or a virtual assistant of any sort, or are you a true solo? I am a true solo. And how are you doing that? I'm sure a lot of people are going to ask.
0: I'm I'm enjoying it. It's I like the the aspect of doing my own billing, um, doing my own marketing. Uh, The billing, I like to do it myself because I'm a control freak and a little OCD and I want things done exactly how I want it. I want to know what's happening. I want to know where everything is. Uh, The marketing I enjoy. I like doing the pictures and kind of coming up with creative ideas. It helps me, you know stay creative and my mind flowing. And then, then you have the legal work, (laughs) you know, it's, you wear many hats and it keeps life fun. How do you balance all your, those hats
1: that you have to wear? I'm sure a lot of people think, Oh God, I'm so busy doing legal work. There's no way I can do my marketing, but how do you, do you have scheduled time for marketing? Do you, how do you manage
0: well, I at first I was feeling out of control, like I was forgetting to do some things, it was just not manageable. And then I started time blocking and it's saved my life. It just mm. made me feel more in control. I, you know, to-do lists or certain hours are blocked off. And that's what I used to do when I was studying for the bar exam, and I just kind of implemented that I would actually Right in my calendar, you are going to the gym at this time and you are working out. You are going to meditate for five minutes during this block. (laughs) So and I I notice if I don't do that, I'll forget and it'll just get past me. And then I'll be feeling out of control, overly stressed, where time blocking makes me feel more in control and relaxed and more productive. How did you learn about time blocking? It was actually through my bar prep. It was through one timers I used to for bar prep. And it was a coach who kind of did it for you and made sure all the students were doing it. And then I just, after I passed the bar, I kind of forgot about it. And then I was again, feeling out of control some days and feeling overly stressed, overwhelmed. And then I remembered time blocking and I did it and it kind of changed everything for me. That's
1: a really good tip and really important habit to start from the beginning of launching a law practice. A lot of times my job is breaking bad habits that attorneys have been practicing for 10, 15, 20 years. And when you start off with really good habits from the beginning, they stick and you will definitely do much better. I think that's such great advice. Well, Cassandra, it's been really nice chatting with you. Absolutely appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule. We had to reschedule you because stuff comes up. And so I know how busy you are, but thank you. Tell
0: everyone how they can find, friend, or follow you on the internet. Thank you. You can visit my website at www.alohadivorce.com. You can find me on Instagram, Aloha Divorce. Same with Facebook and Twitter. That's great. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. And I'm glad
1: New Solo was helpful in in launching your practice. That always makes me feel really good. So um, thank you for that. And of course, thanks to all the guests that I have had over the years that have shared their pearls. And now you're one of them. Did you ever think you'd come on New Solo as as a guest? No, it's an honor. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. And I love talking to New Solo. So thanks so much. And thanks for putting yourself out there for us. It's brave. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Adriana.
1: All right, everyone, we've reached the end of another great episode of New Solo. If you like what you have heard today, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple and reach out to me if I can be of any assistance. And don't forget, oh, I almost forgot, we're going to do a grab bag of uh, mail questions. So I had originally last month said, hey, if you have any questions about Office 365, Microsoft, Windows, any stuff like that, send them to me at newsolo at legaltalknetwork.com I have gotten a couple of them and I've gotten a couple via Twitter so I will load those up we'll get an expert on and answer a lot of those questions that are mysterious to us about how to use Microsoft 365 so please uh, keep sending those in and we'll see you next time on new Solo. I've
0: been running from 9 to 5 been biting my tongue for all this time won't let anyone
2: cut me short